Facebook famously determined that if a new member invited 10 friends within 14 days, they were hooked for life. So they focused religiously on driving the user experience to this key metric. If you apply this product-based approach to B2B sales, then you can identify those users that are ready to talk. And this method is known as the Product Qualified Lead, or PQL. So if you sell in a freemium, open source, or trial model, then the PQL method is critical to give your sales team visibility into who is ready to talk. So talk to your data team, or better yet, partner with Whaler's team of data scientists to develop a PQL model tailored specifically for your business. You'll be empowered by knowing exactly when a user is ready to convert. To see specific examples, go to getwhaler.com forward slash Andy. That's G-E-T-W-H-A-L-R dot com forward slash Andy. And as a bonus, if you sign up to learn more about Whaler and PQLs, then Whaler will send you their optimized two-page master services contract that you can leverage for your own business free of charge. It's time to accelerate. Hi, this is Andy. Welcome to another edition of Frontline Friday with my regular and very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Now, before we get to the show, Bridget and I have a favor to ask of you. We really appreciate it. If you took time right now to leave a review for this show on iTunes, and while you're there, click the button, subscribe to Accelerate, make sure you get Frontline Friday automatically each week. Also, we need to hear from you. More specifically, we need your sales questions. I mean, what can we answer for you? What challenges do you have that we can help you with? So go to accelerate.fm forward slash Frontline and enter your question there. Each month, we're going to select one listener's question to be the question of the month. And the winner will receive a $50 Amazon gift card. So remember, go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline to give us your question and maybe win 50 bucks. If you listen to last week's episode, you know that we've newly named her uh, Captain Fantastic. Yes, I couldn't wait to hear it. <laughs> Bridget Gleason. Captain thus, Fantastic. I thus, go by Captain Fantastic. Have you told no. people at work that's your new name? No, I, I haven't. I haven't broken the news to them. Oh, one of the <laughs> one of the guys at work. Yeah, I, I love it. He always he's just yeah, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I like that. So I think Captain Fantastic may be over the top, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna wait till they hear it and bring it up. That's how I'll know when that's one it, of them they're listening to the show when they're regular. listening because it hasn't aired yet by the time you and I are talking. But when that when it airs, I'm gonna start listening. Okay. To see when they say it. That'll be a good... Are they listening to the Bosses podcast or not? That's right, people. And so, for those of you... That's right. Right. For those of you who may be new to the show, um, there's the reason behind the fantastic is every week I ask Bridget how she's doing. And... Like clockwork, the response is she's fantastic. So I know somehow I pulled I that out of the air last week that she is now Captain Fantastic. I love it. Yeah, her own version of a superhero. Your superpower is being fantastic. I love it. Being happy—that's good. Yeah, I, I embrace that. I embrace I, it. Well, I think everybody has a superpower. What is your superpower? So my superpower, and this <laughs> this is something that is a superpower, which is really important if you live in New York City during the summertime, which mm. it is. Mm-hmm. Is I don't have a sense of smell. Oh, that which, is a superpower. Which, which, if you live in New York City in the summertime, not having a sense of smell is really pretty beneficial at times. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's my superpower. Okay, good. That's not, a good not superpower. Not so good at other times. I mean, because obviously, I like some things you really do want to smell, like you know, 
a turkey roasting in the oven or, and it sort of unfortunately affects my sense of taste as well. But, you know, hey, can't have everything in life. I think that's a great, I think that's a great superpower. All right. So I like um, mine better, but yeah, I think yours is better. And so I don't even need to, I don't even need to ask the question. I know you don't because I'm fantastic and it's Friday. It's Friday and And, it's going to be beautiful here. Right. Every weekend. So you hinted as we were getting started before we came on the air that, that, um, you couldn't wait to, have the day ends, <laughs> you could go have a drink. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't say a drink, but I think that was implied. It was implied, and obvious. Yes. yes. Yeah, implied so. and obvious. Everybody, yes. Yeah. And I'm not a big drinker, so that's the other funny thing is, uh, you know, my going out for a drink is literally that a drink. That's it. Well, I'm trying to remember. You and I did that a long time ago, and oh my gosh, that's right. That was a long. That was in. Uh, I think it was in New York. It was in New York, yeah. So, yeah, I can't remember whether you had one or two. Uh, I had one. Okay. Okay, because that, that's, I always have one. So, like, I can, I don't even need to think back to the time. I know that I had one. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to the time when I can have one again. I but know. I know. I know, I know, I know. All right, so, uh, let's jump into it. We were thinking that we're going to talk about the future of selling today. This is a topic for, gosh, for people to really, I think, spend some time thinking about. Because there's a lot of scare stories that are out there about the impact of artificial intelligence and automation on sales. It's, oh, salespeople are going to go away, right? There's some, <laughs> was it Forrester? Somebody said by 2020 that, you know, some huge fraction of business to business salespeople. I know. I always read about those. And it's like, A, it's nonsense. And B, yeah. you know, our ability to predict what's going to happen as, as, as a, a species is, is really bad. It's definitely bad. Yes. I mean, look no further than the past elections in, uh, in November as a perfect example of True even, with the, even with the best scientific method available, we still, uh, yeah, imperfect ability at best. So when we're looking at things that you know, have all these um, multivariables involved, yeah. But I think there there are certain things we know are going to happen. We know that the AI technology is going to improve, and uh, yeah, machine learning and bots and other forms of automation are just going to continue to improve in various dimensions. So it's not like they're not going to have an impact. I guess really the question is, what is the impact going to be? And looking at it from several dimensions, you know, what's the impact going to be on us as sales professionals, both individual contributors and managers? What's the impact going to be for customers? Because in my, my mind, you know, one of the great disconnects that exists today is that while we've had this this amazing infusion of of technology into the sales space, it's all been about the sellers. It hasn't been about the customer. And it seems like there's this gap that needs to be bridged in order for us to really get the ROI out of those tools is somehow we need to say, okay, well, how, how do these tools not only help us engage with the customers, but how do our tools and technology help the customers accomplish the task they're trying to accomplish, which is quickly gather the information they need to make a good decision. Hmm. So what is, so when you think about this, 
uh, Andy, about what the future looks like and sort of a more emphasis on tools and maybe less on the customer. What do you think the ramifications of that are going to be? Well, I don't know if it's intentionally less emphasis on the customer. I think it's just missing an opportunity. I mean, that's that's how I look at a lot of the tools and technologies we have today. It's you know, you and I both use them, but you know, they don't help our customers. And what it does, it tends to make us more, you know, us focused, self focused, right? Because it's all about my process, the things I'm doing, my activities, and not about them. So the thing that's about them still is is us, the humans, right? I mean that that to me is is you know somewhat ironically, despite what what Forrester says, I really believe that that you know the future of selling is actually about becoming more human, not less. Right? Those moments, the technologies and the AI, um, you know, I think rather than them replacing people, what they do is they perhaps help you achieve or accomplish, let's say, a better, better word, more of those you know, mundane, repetitive tasks that you need to do as a salesperson sort of behind the scenes, right? I don't know if they can help update your CRM records for you, you know, automate some of the, the research process for you and serve you more, uh, help you become better prepared for the interactions that you have, save you a lot of that time. Well, hey, that, that frees up more time to, to focus on the customer. And I, I think that's more where we'll see the impact of a lot of the technology, not not replacing, but providing you the, the ability to spend more time focused on the customer. Yeah, and I I agree with that. I, I When I think about these, the different tools that are out there, I, I think about them in exactly that way, that I'm trying to be a better uh, advocate, and helper and guide for a prospect or potential customer advisor. and the more advisor consultant the more that i know about them about what they've looked at about what they're they're interested in the more that i know because there's technology that will tell me that the more that i have these other uh, more repetitive tasks taken care of so that i do have this time my expectation when I think about my teams is that this will translate into a better experience for the customer because the sales rep will get on the phone or be on email or whatever in person more prepared than they were had they not had these tools um, at their at their disposal. Well, I think they have the opportunity to be more prepared. And I think this is this is where you know we think about the future relative to what the impact of technology can be on on sales reps is is the information you know it's like you can lead a horse to water you can't make a drink it's yeah well this information's all going to be presented to you let's say taking that as one example what are you doing with it and this opportunity is going to be presented to you we're going to we're actually going to this whole idea that sales reps only have time in their day to spend you know 30% of their their sales hours actually engaging with customers yeah, I think the technology is going to make that number grow substantially. And so, yeah, what are you going to what are you going to master and improve in yourself so that you can take better advantage of those those hours? And that's why I said when I think that the the selling becomes more human. It's it's you know 
in at least in the business to business space, you know, the non-transactional that we're talking about, is is that human connection is still extremely decisive in the mind of the customer in making their decision. And so I think that more time, you know, it's more time, more energy has to be focused on, yeah, how do I master that interaction? And right now, a lot of the attention is focused on how do I master my process? How do I master? And we give short shrift to that moment. We give lip service to that, that moment of interaction. Yet there are moments of interaction. And I think a well-run sales process should be in service to the interaction. Yeah. So and that's and, why I would extend that to the technology, right? As I talked about why and the technology and, yeah. and a well-run process that a rep that knows how to run. I'll give you an example of this that we talked about at um, our sales meeting this week. Is that we just won this company who shall remain nameless right now because mm-hmm. we just run, won this deal, but they are a. Um, a very large enterprise customer. It's a very strategic win for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we're a tiny little company out of Tel Aviv. In case anyone's forgotten, we've been around for less than two years. So we're really the kind of the no name in the space, and up against some very other big log have, management companies. Except they have a superhero. They do have team. a superhero. They do. Yes. Have, there is a superhero on our team. Yes. That's true. Yes. And I don't know if everybody has a superhero. <laughs> And the the company also makes a product that's competitive to ours. Okay, the, in this the customer p- makes a product that's competitive yes. to yours. Very interesting. Yes, and we won this deal. And one of the things they said is one of the reasons they won the deal that they cited was the relationship mm-hmm. that we were a company that was easy to deal with. They liked the process. We were responsive. We ran a good, pro- our, our, the sales rep on this is, is stellar, mm-hmm. but everybody top to bottom all throughout was extremely customer focused. And they said that was one of the key factors. They were looking for a partner and they knew they just, they, we demonstrated in this process that we were really going to be there as a partner and we were going to show up and we were going to answer the questions and be responsive and all the things you're talking about. And what's the key word that you haven't said yet, but is at the heart of what, what you're talking about? Starts with the letter T. Trust, right? I mean, it's trust. Everything that you talk about sums up and they trust you. Yeah, it's it's definitely trust. I mean, trust trust is a big piece of it, but there's also Andy in addition to trust is this you can trust someone they can still be difficult to work with. Sure. And so I think it was this combination of trust, but also you guys are you are there's not friction in working with you. Right. All throughout the process. So I, 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 I started to chalk that up to, to trust. I mean, I have a similar story where, where uh, at one point in my career is selling to this also huge, huge enterprise, shall uh, go nameless, but had three initials. And um, yeah, they made a product that was competitive with the one we were trying to sell them. And they had a division with 300 engineers devoted to. Yeah. And so we're at a pretty critical point in the the process and I brought 
CEO, my boss, CEO of my company, down to meet the CEO of this division of this big company. And meeting went great. And I mean, we built a great relationship. We had delivered every step of the way that we said we we're going to during the, the sales and buying process. And as we leave the meeting, you know, my CEO turns to me and says, no way we get this deal. I said, <laughs> first of all, you're wrong. But secondly, why do you think so? Mm. They said, because they've got 300 engineers sitting at desks that they're paying right now you know, to build a product just like this. And I say, yeah, but the problem was, or the problem is, they don't trust that those people can get the job done in the time frame they need it done. And part of that was, you know, this frictionless relationship that we had where, we, again, we had delivered, you know, samples and things that they needed to help evaluate to make the decision that they couldn't get from their internal people. And, yeah, I mean, isn't that sort of an ironic situation where you trust people outside the company more than you trust people inside? I, I think sometimes it's trust, like you said, that you trust outside more than inside. I think sometimes it's where do you want to apply your resources? Mm-hmm. So I think in, in our particular situation, they know that the resources that they have internally are better deployed on something that's really their maybe core expertise other than what we're able to provide, what we're able to provide as a service. So I think there's that part of it too, is, is just making this, there's, there's this trade-off. And so maybe it's trust in a different way. We trust you to operate sort of like you're one of us. We trust you, and in this relationship, we need to know that you're going to take it as seriously as if we had people internally doing it. We need to feel that you are an extension of our company, our team, and that it's going to matter as much to you as it does to us. And I think that's another level of trust that uh, that came into play. Yeah. So, and when you look at that, what you achieved, which congratulations, by the way. So, when you look at that, what part of that? would change, you know, three to five years out with, you know, enhanced use of artificial intelligence, you know, bots for chat and other, you know, machine learning. I mean, what would come down the road that would replace that, that human to human relationship that you just described? Yeah, I don't see that. I, I don't see that piece getting replaced. No, I don't either, but I that's think, what I wanted to ask. See if you yeah, thought. yeah. Oh, I totally agree. I don't think that's what gets replaced. I think the artificial intelligence and the chatbots and the better technology and the tools help us, enable us to have more conversations that end in a buyer and a seller coming together and having a meaningful exchange because we eliminate we eliminate the people that aren't, hopefully we get better at putting together better connections that I'm better able to identify, oh, this really is a person or a company that can benefit from what I have as opposed to a lot of misses. Yeah. And I think that's what I hope, but I don't think it'll change the human element at all. Right. Well, I think that's one of the things that, that the improved technology will, will do is uh, evolving technology. And I say approved is, is yeah, you know, give you signals about perhaps conversations you should be having uh, with in specific individuals 
But then the onus is on you as the sales professional to say, yeah, have I mastered our product? Have I mastered just the basic skill of opening a conversation with someone, you know, to, to form a connection with another human being? Because we underestimate the importance of that in the customer's ultimate decision-making. You know, it's, it's, it, we still have this, this myth that, that you know, has been built up over time is that sort of the customer's perception of us is, is cumulative over interactions. Where actually the customer can form a perception of you up front that flavors the entire perception of you over the course of the deal. And you may have lost the deal in the first interaction, not even being aware of it. Not, not lost in the sense that they told you to get rid of you, but you just you know, you come off badly compared to the other people they're talking with. Yes. Yeah. Where you don't realize that, that psychologically you've, you've lost and you don't know it and they may not even know it. And they may not, but it's going to happen. So to me, the future for selling, well, the reason I say it's almost becomes more human, more dependent on the human is that, yeah, everybody's gonna have access to these technologies, right? So as a, in a competitive landscape, Everybody's going to have the same advantages. Everybody's going to be getting the same signals about who they should be talking to, what should the context of the conversations be. You know, and that becomes increasingly sophisticated. You still need to go execute it with another person. And the quality of that execution is going to be a huge difference maker. And anybody that says that that's not the case is deceiving themselves. Yeah, it's um, interesting. We have... Uh one of my directors, my sales, my sales directors, who's in Tel Aviv, when she does a lot of training for new reps, just to help them get on board. And, and she always leans toward the interpersonal and the connection. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes there's some of the reps that feel like, wait a minute, this isn't sales training. This is a psychology class or, you know, there are, I mean, they love what she's able to provi provide in one sense, but it is, it's not the type of training they're used to getting. They're used to getting the very, um, tactical, tactical, right. very technical as opposed to the interpersonal. And she's always driving home. What's the relationship? In fact, this this customer that we talked about, she, they didn't do a proof of concept. They did a proof of relationship, mm -hmm. and, that, and that. that's what and that's what they called it. <laughs> really, that's what I they love called that. it. So she drove it, and that's what they called it, which I thought was just brilliant. She's one I want to have come on the show and talk, and maybe that's the topic we talk about is this proof of relationship. Oh, I think that I think that's that's brilliant because that that increasingly. <laughs> is going to be what what has to happen because again you know customers can go to review sites they can see what you're doing yeah you know, we've referred to this book absolute value before that talk about how access to information enables buyers to have you know a more i would say perfect they call it nearly perfect view of what the experienced economic term the experienced utility of a product or service is before they buy it right the value they're going to get from it and in that environment, yeah, the difference is the relationship. And yeah, we could spend a whole show, and I think we shall. But I'll make a note that we talk about relationships in the future because there's a lot of misunderstanding among salespeople about what it means to have a relationship with a buyer. I think that goes back to the T word. Yeah, it goes back to trust. And, and, but there was, I remember reading this blog post 
uh, sometime in the last year, I forget when, but I have a bookmark somewhere, where someone very stridently said, you don't form relationships with customers. That's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I think this person is still sort of conflating this idea, old-fashioned idea that you had to wine and dine your customer and you know, become quasi-friends with them. And, and you and I have talked about this in the past. I mean, it's really... The term I use is, you know, your customers need to trust you, and that trust is part of what this package I call, you know, positive neutrality about you. You know, they don't have to be in love with you. They don't, it's, if they don't like you, that's a problem, right? But, you know, they're not, you're not forming friendships here. You're forming a relationship for the purpose of accomplishing a task. And it's not going to necessarily, you're not going to become Facebook buddies for the rest of your life necessarily. So, you know, people still misunderstand what that that means. And I think it's it'd be great if we had another word for it. But I this idea of the proof of relationship, I, again, I think it's a brilliant concept. Yeah. And I, I think I would I think more deals will be one where there's trust. Even if you don't even if even if you don't really like the person as much, you're more likely to do a deal, I think, if you trust them. Then if you like them, but you wonder, uh, not quite sure if I can trust them or their company, then it doesn't matter how much you like them. Oh, absolutely. And, and as you said, the, the relationships of, that are of any value have at their foundation trust, and particularly in a business relationship. It just, that has to be the foundation. Yeah, and the trust, and this is why I like this idea of proof of relationship, the trust is based on performing within that relationship, right? There's certain, as you went through your proof relationship and you talked about being responsive and answering the questions and having the insights and ideas to help them form, that's, that's delivering on, a, on an implicit promise that you're going to help them make a decision, you know, have the service orientation to selling. And so, yeah, this relationship is based on performance. And you clearly did because you won the deal. I know it's so great, especially as we're coming at the end of our quarter. So it was a great, it was a great, it was a great deal to yeah. win. It was a, it, it was a, it, it's a great case in point, Andy, about what we're talking about with regards to how uh, the tools and the tactics are in service of the customer. Mm-hmm. And that relationship, and how do I serve them better? But there's certainly not a re- uh, a replacement for that human that that proof of relationship, and who are the people behind it? And, and we had a, I had our CEO talk also to the sales team about it, and we said, you know, this is something that we don't we don't focus enough off on also internally that not just the skills as a salesperson, but how important that human piece is. Mm-hmm. And we as a company are made up of a lot of individuals and it's all these different relationships and, and touch points that our customers have with individuals within the company, whether they be sales or support or finance, all of those different relationships in those various forms also form the basis of a relationship that we have with the customer. And it's super important, especially in a SaaS business where, you know, they sign up monthly, sometimes they sign annual deals, but you've got to earn their trust and build this relationship every single day. It's not a one and done. Yeah. And if you, 
aren't there one day, they'll look for someone that is. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I think I don't know if I've told this story before. But I, I, you know, I, I draw the analogy that you know relationships with customers are like relationships with dogs. You know, I think of my dog or dog I had, unfortunately, I had to put down a couple of years ago. But, um, but, you know, I know that he sort of unconditionally loved me because, you know, I'd feed him three times a day and take him for a walk three times or feed him twice a day and take him for a walk three times a day and get on the floor and play with him and so on. But when I went on a business trip, the person who fed him and walked him, that's who he loved at that point in time, right? Yeah, and, right. you know, if you're gone one day and somebody takes your place, yeah, hey, that's who the customer likes if, if they can deliver. So it's it's relationships are based on performance, and you just have to understand that performance comes in many forms, not just delivering a product and service, but delivering an experience and a, a relationship that uh, that helps the customer achieve something. Yeah, that's couldn't agree more. All right. Well, with that, then let's end while I'm on top. I know. End while we agree. Yeah, we always agree. Except when we don't. Except when we don't. Yeah. And we that's agree. Right. On, we agree on your name as well. That's right. Captain Fantastic. Captain Fantastic. Okay. I'm gonna work Checking in, signing out. Captain Fantastic signing out. <sighs> we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on your 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 lines and your exit lines. Yeah. Okay. 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 I mean, this is a new concept, so we're bear with us as we as we work our way through that. So if you have any suggestions, you can always send it to us at acceleratefm at gmail.com. That's our current email address for the show. And if, like I said, suggestions for how Bridget should sign on and sign off. As, I want to hear as it. would be appropriate for superhero, please. That's right. Let us know. So that's it. Until next week, Bridget. Thank you. Have a great one. Friends, thank you for joining us. Remember, make sure you come back again next week and our throughout the week, any episode of Accelerate, all of our great guests. So Bridget, talk to you next Friday. All right. Take care. 